Thanks for listening to this episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis, your movie trivia and discussion podcast. Please like the Facebook page and leave your comments or questions. It's facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice or email screenfacts at yahoo.com. Please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes to automatically get new episodes every Wednesday. Well, it is baseball month here on the podcast, and joining me for this episode, my good pal, my brother from another mother, my best man, Tim Donnelly. hey <laughs> What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Good to have you on once again. Great to be back, as always. Yes. Always a lot of fun doing this with you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode because this is by far... My favorite baseball movie. My favorite baseball movie is well, Ma- Major League, uh, close second, yes. but I got to give the edge to this one. This is one of two Kevin Costner baseball movies that I really love. Okay. Field of Dreams, which I talked about on the podcast yeah. already, third episode. Can't go wrong with Field of Dreams. And, of course, this one, Bull Durham, which is, uh, to me, one of the most authentic of the baseball movies. Definitely has an air of authenticity. Probably helps that writer-director Ron Shelton was, in fact, a former minor league baseball player. Indeed, yeah. He uh, used a lot of his experience for the basis of the story. He actually had some help that I didn't know about until looking up information about this. Kurt Russell helped him uh, develop the script. Wait, the Kurt Russell? The Kurt Russell. Like, who was a minor league ball player before he became a super big actor. Wow. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, there's actually a really cool movie on Netflix, a documentary that was made specifically for Netflix called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. Wow, rolls nicely off the tongue. <laughs> nice, nice alliteration there. <laughs> uh, and it's about the team that Kurt Russell's dad started in the Portland area. No kidding. Yeah, it's really it's a really great movie. And, what is it? And the, the Battered Bastards of Baseball yes, on Netflix. On Netflix. I gotta check that out. Yeah, very cool stuff. This movie is based on experiences, but the characters are all fictional. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I've, I've seen uh, interviews with both Major League and Minor League ballplayers mm-hmm. who always cite Bull Durham's authenticity, speaking of authenticity. Oh, yeah. Like, yep, that's happened to me, and that's happened to me, and yeah, and yeah. Very, very authentic. I talked about this with Sue in the last episode for League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. One of the things I love about that movie and this movie is that it really makes you appreciate the game of baseball that much more. This one in particular, because the opening scene where Annie walks to the ballpark, she walks in and it kind of opens up into the wide shot of the the Bull Stadium. Is that where she talks about the the cathedral of baseball? She talks about, yeah, like how it's like sort of like her religion and stuff. Right, right. It reminds me a lot of going to New Jersey Jackals games. Sure. And I talked about that with Sue and I, I, you know, would be remiss if I didn't mention it again on this episode. Of course, of course. Because this is a minor league team. Jackals games are so much fun because you really feel like you're a part of the game. Yeah, there's something about a really good minor league ballpark. You're on top of the action. The players are right there. Uh, It's very family friendly and like you said, a lot of fun. They do a lot of fun stuff in between innings, uh, little activities where people can get involved. And you almost feel kind of a connection to the players too. I mean, you can can make eye contact with the players, give them a thumbs up, they make a good play, whatever, you know? It's and it's just and it's reasonable. It's a great thing for the family and it's just fun. Yeah. You know? And it's what baseball should be, I think, not the big corporate kind of blowout that it's become. Don't you know? even get me started. That's a separate podcast. I know, I know. I, I mean I don't want to bitch about that, but baseball has become too much of a business and, and a movie like this reminds a fan like right. myself. 
and you, how great baseball is just when it's just baseball. What baseball could be right. and should be. It's right. just about the game. Yeah. Or in the title of uh, another Kevin Costner movie about baseball, For the Love of the Game. You know, it's funny. The Blazer, Brian Berkowitz, talked about that one too. And I remember seeing that movie, not in the theaters when it came out, but when it came out on video afterwards. And I don't remember really liking it. And, and I feel like I got to revisit it. Okay. I feel like I have to watch it again because maybe... Maybe after know, doing all these baseball-themed podcasts, yeah. you'll go back into it. Yeah, because he, he said that that's one of his favorites, and I have to go back, because I just don't remember thinking it was that good compared to this and Field of Dreams. Yeah, it's worth a second look. Yeah, I'm going to check it out again. So Bull Durham released June 15th, 1988, stars Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins, who met making this movie. Yeah, Chuck Woolery would say they made a love connection. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll be, be back, back in two and two. two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a uh, um, as Sue would call it a showmance. Ah, yeah, they and they well had done, they Sue. were together. They were together a really long time too. Yeah, long, long time, and, and only it, only recently separated within the past a few years. years I think, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and I think they had a couple of kids too, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so probably it's no surprise that the two of them consider this one of their highlights of their career. Of course. <laughs> Kevin Costner said that, too, in an interview as well. You know, this this movie looks like it was fun to make. Oh, absolutely. All the actors just look like they're having so much fun in this movie. Absolutely. And they used a lot of real athletes, too. You yeah. Know, they had tryouts where, where they had guys come out, and you kind of had to have some skill in front of a camera, too. Right. But, I mean, they were looking for authenticity, first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, I guess for, for a lot of the secondary players that you don't really see a lot, they really didn't have to be thespians because... <laughs> You're just playing a ball player, so right. you're basically being yourself. Right. But for the guys who, who spend at least a, a relatively substantial amount of time on camera, you have to be able to carry a line or two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The producer brought in uh, an actual semi-pro baseball player, you know, and he was a consultant on the film. His name is Pete Bach, and mm-hmm. he recruited real players with the tryout. They had sort of a training camp. Right. And they had some uh, minor league umpires and, and two-a-day workouts. And even the actors, the main actors, Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner, they, they really put them through the, yeah. the paces to make sure that they looked like real ballplayers. And that totally comes through in the film. And if you listen to the director's commentary on the uh, the Bull Durham disc, Ron Shelton talks about the athleticism, uh, especially of Kevin Costner. Yeah. You see him. He, he actually hits some balls over the wall. Yeah. And he knocks a few out of the park. Yep. Uh, it's clearly... And he's a switch hitter. Right. And he switch hits at the plate, too. That's crazy. Crazy. You know, it's not a stunt double. It's not a stand-in. That's Kevin Costner yeah. catching at the plate, hitting uh, Tim Robbins in like most of the scenes. That's him pitching. It looks authentic. I think that Crash Davis is probably, I mean, if I had to guess without knowing Kevin Costner. Right. If I had to guess, Crash Davis is probably closest out of all the characters he's ever played, closest to who Kevin Costner really is. That may very well in be. In a lot of ways. I feel like this is totally in his wheelhouse mm-hmm. as an actor. Really, most sports movies that he's done. I mean, yeah. he's done, and he's done quite a few. This, I mean, just the three baseball movies. Right. He did uh, Tin Cup. Right. Another which, Ron Shelton. Another Ron Shelton film, which I love, which, which is, is great. also very good. And even if you're not a golf fan, it's it's fun. Right. But the other movie that he did last year, or the year before, Draft Day. Draft Day. Great film. Really good. Great film. Really, really good. Where he's the uh, the general manager, GM of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Yeah. And he's great. You know, very convincing. So, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Kevin Costner definitely in his wheelhouse when he's making a a sports-themed movie. Got me convinced. Yeah. We mentioned that Ron Shelton was a a former minor league baseball player. Mm -hmm. The costume designer in the film found out that the last jersey that he wore as a minor league player was number eight. Was number eight. Who gets that number in the film? Crash Davis. Crash Davis. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, number eight is uh, synonymous with great catchers, too. (laughs) I think Yogi Berra. Yeah. Moment of silence. 
Okay. All Gary right. Carter, another moment That's of right. silence. Another moment of silence. So the estimated budget, $7 million, domestic gross of $50.8 million, and another $22 million in rentals. This movie... Made back its budget and then some. Oh, yeah. But this movie, I think, is another one of those great... I don't want to call it a cult movie, because I think it's pretty mainstream. Yeah. But definitely... A passionate fan base. I mean, the people who love this movie really, really love this movie. Yeah, I think most sports fans would probably call this... One, if not the greatest baseball movie. Right. It's ranked number five on the AFI's uh, list of the 10 greatest films in sports. Oh, okay. And that's sports in general. Just, uh, yeah, sports and not, right, not, not baseball, baseball movies specifically, just sports films in general. Yeah, that's number pretty... Number five on the AFI's list as of, I think, the like the summer of 2008. Okay. That sounds pretty good. The other thing, too, um, they filmed this movie from October to November of 1987. Yeah. Now, this, obviously, we're watching minor league baseball so you're thinking it's the middle of summer that they're playing it's supposed to be but because they filmed late fall almost winter yeah (laughs) by the time they wrapped production they actually had to touch up the grass with green paint to make it look uh, more like summer Mm -hmm. and you know of course if you're watching during the night games you see the actors breath Yeah, you can see their breath this movie was passed over by pretty much every studio you know, you hear stories like that. Yeah. Movies that go on to achieve some kind of either like cult status or classic status yeah. passed on by multiple studios. And you wonder, what were they missing that we all got? Right, you know? right. Kicking themselves in the ass now. No doubt about it. But yeah, so, and I think some of them even passed on it a couple of times. Okay. But the other thing uh, that they mentioned that I thought was kind of cool was that Susan Sarandon wasn't even on the list of actresses that they were looking for for Annie Savoy wow. originally. There was a whole bunch of, they didn't mention names of who they wanted. Now, I'm wondering... Why? Because she was 32, I think. No, she was, was, her, was she, she in her was early actually, 30s. She was 42. 42. 42. And that's the other funny thing, too. You know, Kevin Costner is supposed to be this guy who's been around a while. He's older, more experienced. Right. In real life, he's only three years older than Tim Robbins. Yeah, relatively close in age. Yeah, so he was 33 and Tim Robbins was 30 when they okay. were filming. Susan Sarandon was 42. I love Susan Sarandon. She's awesome. I'm a big, big fan. Yeah, I she's mean. She's gorgeous. She still looks amazing. And she still is. She and she still was, is. She was really sexy in this movie. Yeah, big that, fan. There's something about the, the Southern accent <laughs> that she pulls off amazingly, by yeah. the way. She's from New Jersey. Well, originally from Jackson Heights, New York, but she grew up in Edison and graduated from Edison High School in 1964. She actually flew herself out to audition. Wow. Like she really, like, I think she must have read the script and she really liked it. Right. So I want this part. So yeah. She... So she went for it and, and boy, did it pay off for her. Good for time. her. Yeah. We've said it before on, uh, on many podcasts. You can't picture anybody else in the role. No. no you can't she picture perfect. anybody else as Andy Savoy. Perfect. 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 <laughs> so... Um, there's so many good scenes in this movie. We could go on. Oh, man. We could go on. One of my favorite things right off the bat, lollygaggers. <laughs> <laughs> you lollygag the ball around the infield. You lollygag down to first base. <laughs> you lollygag in and out of the dugout. You know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That's great. And Kevin, he goes up to, uh, to you know, crash, crash. Is, is shaven at the mirror. He goes, I don't know what to do. I begged. I Scare pleaded. Him. Tried to Scare him. What? They're kids. Scare him. <laughs> he awesome. throws all the bats in the shower. Right, he just so chucks them in the shower. Such a great scene. Anybody in, in 10 seconds going to get fined? Whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. $1,000. Yeah. One Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Three Mississippi. <laughs> Robert Wolf. Yeah. So good. You know, this movie's always been a baseball movie to me. But after watching it again, you know, you kind of go, this movie is just as much about sex and love and the relationship between the two. Yes, as it is about baseball. Yes, it is. 
And I think that's why it has such staying power. The first time I saw this in the theater, did you see it in the theaters? I might have. Okay. I think I saw it at, you know, the old Colonial Theater. Oh, yeah. Up in uh, in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. Moment of silence. What? Okay, we're good. <laughs> so this movie came out in 1988. Right. So I'm uh, like a sophomore or junior in high school. Mm -hmm. And when I saw it the first time, that's what the movie was to me. It was just baseball. a baseball yeah. film. And I kind of, you know, I wasn't really into the whole, the like the romance and the lovey-dovey stuff. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm older and wiser, well, half right. Now that I'm older... <laughs> You watch this movie with new eyes. Oh, yeah. And I love the relationship stuff. Now that's uh, like my favorite parts of the movie is the yeah. interaction between this, this kind of love triangle that's going on there between Nuke and Crash and Annie. It's funny because, you know, the relationship that Annie has with Nuke is all about sex. Of course. I'm sure she legitimately cares for him. Yeah. But, but she, does, she doesn't love laid. him. Right, no. it's about getting laid. But like she says she's... in the one scene, you know, it's the, the damnedest season I've ever I've yeah. ever seen. You know, the, the Bulls can't lose and I can't get laid. Exactly. And and I feel like she has a thing for Crash immediately. Like right I think off she, the bat. Honestly, I think she wants Crash from the start. I don't think she's as interested in Nuke. Right. But because Crash is like, after 12 years in the minors, I don't try out. I don't try, try out. out. Besides, I don't believe in quantum physics when it comes to matters of the heart. Right, right away, she's smitten. Oh, yeah. Because here's, you know, an older, oh <laughs> wiser guy who won't be pushed around, who's right. not a pushover. He's not a young kid. And yeah, he goes through that whole diatribe of all the things she believes in and right. in. And, and he goes, oh my. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. It's a great scene. And then he just giggles on his way out the yeah. door. <laughs> See you at the yard, meet. See you at the yard, meet. I'm not interested in any woman who's interested in that boy. Awesome. That's <laughs> so great. great. So good. But you know, he wants her too, though. Of course he does. But he plays it so <laughs> cool. So cool. When she sends him the note in the dugout, you know, about, about his, he's not uh, turning his hips properly when he right, swings. Crash. You have uh, lovely hips, uh, but, you know, I would be happy to work uh, with you. Meet me at the batting cages tomorrow, yada, yada. Right. Now, to steal a line from our American Beauty podcast, uh -huh. look closer. That's right. Look closer. That's right. Crash then writes his own note to give back to Annie. He gives to the kid to go back up into the stands to give to right. Annie. And he writes... Very clearly, if you're watching the movie, you mm -hmm. don't even have to have a super big screen, probably. Right. <laughs> you can see he writes on the paper, let's fuck sometime. <laughs> and then when Millie reads the note, right. she says, I want to make, make love, love to, you. to you. Crash. Yeah. It's not what the note no. says. No. <laughs> So I think that's kind of funny. That's good stuff. And then he, he folds it and he hands it to the kid. And he goes, it's, it's kind of a private message. So, yeah, so, personal don't, note, so, don't, so read don't read it. Read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right before that, the, the bat boy comes up like he's, you know, trying to. Yeah. He's tr trying to figure out the count. So he steps out of the batter's box and the kid comes get, over, get gives him that. out of your head. Yeah, exactly. And then the kid comes over with the uh, the pine tar rag right. or whatever. And he's like, get a hit, Crash. <laughs> and Crash goes, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that was improvised. The kid Ad-libbed. Ad-libbed, and the kid was not expecting that, and he actually cried. No shit. I mean, you don't see him cry in the movie, but he walked away, what? and, and <laughs> he, I guess he thought he was serious. Doesn't the kid know there's no crying in baseball? There's no crying in baseball! <laughs> Different movie, I know, but yeah, I couldn't, covered that I couldn't resist the pun. Absolutely. There really was a player named Crash Davis. He might not have been anything like Kevin Costner. Right. Ron Shelton actually found his name in a baseball listing as a minor leaguer and American Legion player. That's a great name for a minor league ball player. That's man. a great Crash name for any ball Davis, player. Davis, right? I think I'm going to change my name to Crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be Crash Davis. That's right. It That's what I'm Crash saying. Crash Davis. That's what I'm saying. Screen facts <laughs> with Crash Davis has a good ring to it, doesn't right? it? Right. <laughs> oh so um, to avoid a lawsuit... 
Ron Shelton talked to the real Crash Davis and, and got his permission to use his likeness, his name or whatever. But the real Crash signed off on the film only when he found out that in the movie, in the script, he gets, he gets the girl. He gets the girl in the end. <laughs> it's great. One of the things that I did that I love about uh, about the name, not only is it a cool name, but it fits Kevin Costner's character to a T. Here's a guy that's like literally just crashed around the minor leagues, yep. bouncing from team to team, just trying to scratch out a living as a ball player. Like, like literally, he's just crashing around. And I think it has more than one meaning, too. There's that. Mm-hmm. The fact, you know, he's a, he's a pretty solid hitter. Right. The fact that he's a catcher and probably gets crashed, crashed into, into a lot. Sure. Catchers are the ballsiest of baseball players. Yeah. you got to have rocks in your head to be a catcher, <laughs> I think. And I don't mean that as an insult to no, catchers. No, 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 not at all. I mean that, you know, it's a tough position. Yeah. Probably the one that has the least longevity of any baseball player. Yeah. And it's interesting how he first shows up on the Bulls. My AAA contract is bought out so I can hold the flavor of the month's dick in the bus leagues. Well, F this effing game. That's right. That's probably a tough thing when you're a ball player. Who do we play tomorrow? Player. Yeah. <laughs> Winston-Salem, batting practice 1130. Yeah. Something like yeah, something like that. But that's the thing. You know, it's probably hard when you're, when you're a ball player like that and you're never going to make it into the show. And he knows that. Right. He knows he's never going to make it to the, I mean, with the exception of the one time, the very brief time when they're on the bus and he's giving Nuke shit for being an idiot. And he says, you were in the show, man. He goes, yeah, I was in the show once. And the 21 bus gets, days. 21 days. The greatest 21 days of my life. And you notice on the bus how all the, it gets real quiet. Yeah. The guys get reverent. They lean in. Yeah. They listen. They're hanging on That's crashes That's verified air right there, man. Right? Absolutely. Girls all have long legs and brains. You hit white balls for batting practice. You never handle your own (laughs) luggage. And Crash will never get back there. And he's jealous. He's jealous that Nuke can get there. Yeah, he's on his way up. Yep, he's on his way up. Crash is on his way down. Yeah. And it sucks. And it kind of pisses you off, too, when you're watching the movie and you're a fan. Because, you know, there's no way you can't love Crash Davis. Of course. watching the movie. And it pisses you off when Nuke gets called up. And by the way, just to quickly point out a kind of a thing that would probably never happen in the Mm -hmm. real world. Right. You know, they're in single A ball. Right. The bus leagues. You don't go from single A to the majors. No, you don't. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of professional baseball. Right. But anyway, so he gets called up to the major league team. And and that's the other thing too. They're very vague. They never talk about who he plays for. Yeah. And I don't think they ever reveal in the movie, at least, what affiliate the Bulls are. No, they don't. That's definitely by design because that makes the film timeless. Sure. The Durham Bulls currently are an affiliate of... The Rays, right? The Rays, yeah. I think they're a a triple A. They're a triple A now. The Tampa Bay Rays. But back when the movie was being made... Yeah, they they weren't at the time, right? Somebody else. They were a single A affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. Okay. At the time. So... This movie really did a lot for their their ball. Must have done wonders for their attendance. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, they've set attendance records. They even retired Crash Davis' number eight in 2009, too, which is kind of (laughs) cool. That's great. I would venture to guess that this movie kind of boosted the gate for most minor league teams. Sure, sure. It makes minor league baseball sort of look sexy in a lot of ways. (laughs) It makes you feel like a throwback to, you know, the days when... DiMaggio played. Yeah. Or Berra or any of those guys. And that's that's what baseball, whether it's major league or minor league, and look, we can go on and on about how, uh, you know, corporate sponsorship is re- and, and free agency and how the players uh, are making millions and millions of dollars, but baseball itself as a sport is a throwback to a simpler time, to a bygone era, to a time gone by. It's a 19th century sport. Yeah. I mean, it really is America's pastime. Yeah. And it's a great way to spend a nice 
afternoon in the sun. The thing I love about going to a baseball game, a lot of people go, oh, baseball's really boring. It's very slow moving, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to a ball game with your buddy, you're hanging out, you're socializing, you're talking, you're still watching the game Mm because you don't want to get hit with a foul ball. Right. The thing with like football or or any really fast moving sport, you got to really pay attention to the game, like full on. Otherwise you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Baseball, you have to pay attention at least enough so you don't get hit with a foul ball. Yes. Beyond that, you could just have a nice day out, you know, yeah. and hang out with your family or your buddy or whatever, and it's great. Especially if you have a family, like you said earlier in the podcast, uh, Minor League Ballpark is the place to go. It's it's affordable, it's fun, it's family-friendly, yep. it's just, just a nice day out. Yeah, and again, like I said, it's great just feeling like they value you as a fan. Right. And this is the thing with Major League Baseball. I'm not pissed at the players for making $30 million a year. Shit, if I could make $30 million playing right. baseball, I would too. Power to them. Right. Yeah. You'd be stupid not to, of course. And by the way, I say that I can't be mad at somebody for making money doing something that they're good at or that they love. However, right. it should be said that there are other professions that should be making a lot more than they do. Yes. Teaching, for example. <laughs> you, you get no argument from me. Sure. No arguments here. Yeah, no, I mean, you know. Baseball players, while they generate revenue for their teams and the people that work at the ballpark have Mm -hmm. jobs because of them and this and that, and you can, you know, and there's all these great contracts with the cable companies, blah, 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 blah. Right. The problem I have is now they've made it such an elitist thing. And John Oliver did a whole diatribe about this on on, uh, on HBO (laughs) I remember. And he was right on and I was laughing my ass off. You know, it's just the whole idea that there's seats at Yankee Stadium that you have to be a a specific type of person to sit in. right. You know, and then they have like the private club with sushi, yeah. blah, 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 whatever else. That's when Oliver bought out, you know, like four pairs of those yeah. tickets and yeah. he had people uh, <laughs> send in pictures in your most ridiculous costume. We'll sell you these tickets for 25 cents a piece. I found out uh, my friend Mike Sir. He's like, did you see who, who was in the seats the one day? I'm like, no, I missed it. And he goes, oh, yeah, there was like a couple dressed in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, outfits. yeah. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, I think sharks, people dressed as sharks, uh, dinosaurs. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome stuff. See, I would have got like a crazy mullet wig and like (laughs) I would have had my belly sticking out. It would have been, it would have been. Throwback Thursday, baby. I would have had so much fun. So much fun. But yeah, so the point I was going to make is that it's not about people being overpaid to play a sport. Mm-hmm. That that in itself is kind of annoying. Right. You know, because there's other people that that probably deserve that money more. Sure. For what they're doing in the world. It's just that I, I don't feel like everyday Joe Schmoes like me should have to pay thousands of dollars to see baseball. Agreed. And by the way, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jackals. Right. And and why bother? You don't have to. Right. Because exactly. you're I mean, you're, you're literally like right around the block. That's the from, greatest from a thing. Great minor league ballpark. That's the greatest. Yogi Berra Stadium. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And it's everything baseball should be. Yes. Now, let me <laughs> let me ask you a question. I know yes, we're, we're kind of getting off the movie that we should be talking we'll, about. We'll but... get back into the movie. But I think this is all important stuff, too. Do you have a, a particularly favorite baseball memory? A specific memory? Yeah. Now, does uh, it have to be of as a fan or as a player? Either or. You know, it's funny. This is something that I've talked about a little bit on, on the podcast more than once. Baseball, to me, is more than a game. It's a connection to childhood that is actually a fond memory. Right. And there are few of those for me. Right. And, you know, it's something, it's a good memory of my dad. Mm-hmm. I remember playing in Little League, and one of the things they always used to, you know, really hammer in was always back up other players. Right, right. If you're playing left field, back up the third baseman right. if there's a rundown going right, on. Right, right. I remember once there was a rundown going on, <laughs> and the ball got by the third baseman. I was playing left field. I got the ball. 
I threw the guy out at home. It was the greatest fucking moment of my little league career. Good for you, brother. It was awesome. So yeah, so that that's a fond memory. I mean, it's a stupid thing, probably, right. in the grand scheme of things. No, no, no. But you remember stuff like that. And, and I, I see your face as you're talking, and you instantly, <laughs> man, you're, uh, you're on fire, man. You lit up. <laughs> How about you? I played some little league. Wasn't really a big sports fan, the older... I got the okay. less and less I became interested well, in, in, in sports, mainly for the reasons that we've talked about here on the podcast, it, all the, the money involved in free agency and like the corporatization and the business end of it. I just became less and less interested. 2001, the year of September 11th, of course, mm-hmm. there's a, a great documentary made for HBO called uh, Nine mm, Innings from Ground Zero. Nine Innings from Ground awesome. Zero. Awesome. Wonderful documentary. I was at game five of the World Series oh, that year. God. The only thing that would have made that World Series better is if the Yankees would have won Is if it. the Yankees pulled it out. Yeah. And I think secretly, even a lot of Diamondbacks fans yeah. were, were pulling for New York to win yeah. that year because like everybody was on New York's side. Yeah. I was at game five. I was in the bleachers oh my God. with my brother, Chris. Huge baseball fan, mm-hmm. huge Yankees fan. Uh, it's a wonderful memory that I will always carry with me for as long as I live. Uh, everybody just down and depressed because the Yankees were losing. And then before you know it, the Yankees won in extra innings. I can still remember that the feeling of the stadium, like shaking and you're, you're high-fiving and hugging and kissing complete strangers <laughs> and everybody's crying because as the documentary makes very clear, it was more than just a baseball game. No doubt about more it. More than just a baseball game at that point, no you know, doubt. less than two months after the terrorist attacks. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a memory, like I said, I'll always carry it with me and I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. You mentioned your brother's a big fan. He's also an, an author. Yeah. Talk about his book really he's, quick. Uh, he's published it. two books about the Yankees. Uh, his name is Chris Donnelly. You can find his books on Amazon if you're interested. The first book he wrote was is called baseball's greatest series about the 1995 playoff matchup between the seattle mariners and the new york yankees and his second book is called uh, how the yankees explain new york both excellent books and i'm not just saying that because he's my brother if you were that would be fine <laughs> my family mm-hmm. has a personal connection to to baseball in a historical way my paternal grandfather i never knew him because he died when my father was a young kid. But he loved baseball, and he ran. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, my grandfather was like the player coach of a local team called the Preakness Farmers, who were based out of Wayne. And everybody knows about Jackie Robinson, and rightfully so, Mm -hmm. first black player in the major leagues who, who broke the color barrier, but less famous... I think, and sadly, is uh, Larry Doby. I know who he is. Larry Doby, uh, born in South Carolina, but pretty much from Patterson, New Jersey. Okay. First black player in the American League. He integrated the American League uh, just like a month or so after Jackie Robinson integrated the National League. My grandfather knew and played with Larry Doby. Oh, wow. Because uh, sometimes black players, before they integrated the major leagues, they would have to go play wherever they could play, sure. pick up games, pick up teams. And so for a short time, Larry Doby played with my grandfather on the Preakness Farmers, this little team in Wayne. That's amazing. And I, like, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the sure. grandfather I never knew for having Larry Doby on his team at a time when, as far as I know, that was very uncommon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Very cool. My, my dad told me that story. And uh, I was there in 1998, I believe it was, when Larry Doby was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. Because I had a professor at college who wrote the first biography of Larry Doby. 
And that's how I first became aware of Larry Doby because I read my professor's book in this college class I was taking. Oh, wow. So I was up there when Doby got elected into the Hall of Fame in 1998, and it was just so cool, man. Very cool. So cool. Now, was he still alive then? He was. Oh, very he cool. He was. Okay. I don't think Larry Doby passed away, I want to say, in 2003. Okay. 2003, 2004. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's good that he got the honor while he was still alive. Yes, he got That's... the honor while he was still living. Very cool. And I also had a little moment with Ted Williams. Oh, man. At the, at, at, at the Hall of Fame induction, shortly before Ted Williams died, the splendid splinter. Oh, man. That guy's right? one of the greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Without a um, doubt. He was getting into a car... And he was driving away from the induction area. And there was so much foot traffic that the car had to stop to let people by. And I looked in the car and locked eyes with Ted Williams for a minute. Uh And I pointed at him and went, you, number one. He looked at me, winked, and went, number one. Oh, man. Ted Williams, I kid you not, I'm not making that up. That's the coolest thing ever. That is the coolest <laughs> yeah. thing ever. And even though, like I said, I'm not really a big baseball and or sports fan anymore. How cool is that, man? Hey, if there's anybody to be starstruck over. Right. Or to feel like you made a connection with somebody really big in American history. Yeah. Ted Williams. Ted I mean, Williams. He's as important to baseball as anybody. Yeah. Amazing. And he was a war hero. Uh, yeah. And, and good on him. I mean, some, some yeah. of the best. Who knows? Exactly. He might have had some of the best years of his career. If he didn't go off and fight in the Second World War. Yep. Who, who knows how many other records he could have smashed. Exactly. All right, let's get back into okay. the movie. All right. So the bar scene takes place in a place called Mitch's Tavern on Hillsborough Street in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, it's across the street from North Carolina State University. And you could still find a few mementos from the film there. They still have stuff, right? It's Which like, is pretty cool. It's like the Hard Rock Cafe. Of Bull Durham. Of Bull Durham, exactly. (laughs) So there's a a framed autograph film still of Crash and Annie. Nice. And and this is probably the coolest thing, the framed glass door that Nuke breaks Uh. when he throws (laughs) when he tries to throw the baseball at Crash in the alleyway. Thinking about how embarrassing it would be to miss in front of all these people. (laughs) I hear you can't hit water if you fell out of a fucking boat. (laughs) It's great. The furniture, the fixtures, the layout of the place, basically the same as they were uh, back when the movie was made. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. And also, Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch. Lelouch, Lelouch. Lelouch. L.A. Lelouch. So uh, that name didn't come out of just anywhere. <laughs> I mean, that was that actually was like uh, Ron Shelton met a waiter that had, had served him in a restaurant who was Ebby Calvin Nook Lelouch. Can't make that shit up. No. So, uh, <laughs> so he kind of, you know, just fudged the name a little bit. Sure. Because he thought the name was just too cool not to use. That's a great You know, name. he just changed it up a little bit. I need a nickname. I need a nickname. Just came with the name Pokey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he pitches like he fucks kind of all over all the place. All over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Nuke is actually uh, loosely based on a real pitcher, uh, Steve Dalkowski. Dalkowski. Yeah, he was a minor league legend. Uh, supposedly, he could throw as high as 115 miles an hour. Damn! I, I read all kinds of different, like, you know, 115, 125. They didn't have radar guns when he played. Right. Um, but they, he threw so hard that the hitters were really overwhelmed. Right. One of those legends of baseball, kind of like the uh, like the legends and myths <laughs> that surround uh, Satchel Paige. Right, who was supposedly you know. pitched when he was 80. Right, right. Or right. You know, take it with however many grains or yeah. tons of salt as you wish. Yeah, I mean, if you're a catcher, I guess you could tell like the difference between a fastball and a changeup or a fastball mm-hmm. and a curveball because it hits the glove differently. But maybe like the catchers when they caught this guy, there was an extra amount of pop. Right, maybe when it hit the glove. It hurt like hell, who oh, knows. Heck yeah. So 
But, you know, he had some control issues. He was an alcoholic and, and he was very volatile. And, and so he never really he never made know, it to the majors. He never right? made it to the majors, yeah. you know, because of that. But uh, just to think that there was somebody that, that Nuke was based on that was real. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the movie, they show him throwing, uh, you know, his fastball and it, it doesn't really look that fast, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Right. And know. they couldn't they couldn't do anything digitally with it at the time. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. And the rainout scene is another great scene in the movie. I predict the rainout for tomorrow's game. Yeah. Wait, there hasn't been a cloud in the sky for weeks. <laughs> I predict the rainout. I'll bet for you hundred dollars we'll have a rainout tomorrow. <laughs> oh, you're on. You're on. And uh, you know, so they go to the ballpark and they turn right. on the sprinklers and then. And I and we were watching. I was like, oh, that must have been so much fun to film right? that scene where they're all sliding in the mud and everything. Those guys just look like boys. Totally, just just unbridled joy, just Absolutely. sliding in the mud. Absolutely. But that was actually uh, based on a real event. Another too. another scene yeah. based on a real event. In the late 1960s, Shelton played a uh, minor league ball in the Texas League. Mm-hmm. And night before the final game, he and some of his teammates and some of the players from the other team, they were partying and they decided that uh, they didn't want to play right. the next day. So they go to the, to the field and turn on the sprinkler system. Nice. They T- flood the Typical field. Saturday night in the Texas League. Right, exactly. <laughs> Not a lot going on, I guess. So, uh, But the owner of the team rented a helicopter and he dried the field with the rudders <laughs> the helicopter. Wah, wah. And they ended up having to play. So... <laughs> You and Dan, um, and if you listen to the Major League podcast, mm-hmm. you guys talked about the dubious nature of some of the athleticism right. of some of the actors there. Right. I don't get that from Bull Durham. No, no. I think uh, you know it helped that they recruited real players. And, and again, Costner's a great athlete. Yeah. You know, It's clear that Tim Robbins really worked on the mechanics of a pitcher, sure. too. He talked about how the scene where he had to wear the garters mm-hmm. and, and pitch naked right. in that one scene. He said that he was mostly concerned about just keeping the form of a pitcher. Yeah, he was throwing how he like, looked pitching-wise, Yeah, he as opposed to just being naked in garters. Yeah, he said he was freezing because, you know, it was really cold when they were filming that. Right. But I think that's funny. You know, like, you know I'd be afraid that my schwanz is going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> the rose goes in the front, big guy. That's right. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes, I, I think, is a great demonstration of Kevin Costner's athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the scene where... He tags the guy out at home, but the yes. umpire calls him safe. Yes, and he dives. Him, and he, yeah, and he dives, and he goes, you, uh, you missed the tag. No, I didn't. I got him. No, you didn't get him. Oh, see. And, and he goes on to call uh, the umpire the word that umpires don't like to be called. And I love how, how Annie and Millie are listening on the radio. Immediately knows what Crash did. And Andy says, how romantic. How romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Shelton, man. from his experience in the minor leagues, he mm-hmm. says on the on the director's commentary on the DVD, he said, you could use that word in reference to an umpire's call, mm-hmm. but you cross the line when you call, call him. the umpire right. that word. You were, definitely, that was a one-way ticket to the showers. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> My favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. My favorite great. scene. Great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then speaking of, of the, the names of people and characters... Annie's name is significant too, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there's something about baseball groupies. Are They're called Annie's? Apparently, an Annie is a term referring to baseball groupies, okay. hence the name Annie Savoy. I'm not really sure what the Savoy is, other than maybe Bobby Savoy from The Natural. I don't <laughs> Who the hell knows? 
One thing I thought was interesting, it's it's sort of related to Bull Durham and sort of not. When Crash is going through his diatribe of all the things he believes in that ends with Annie going, oh my, he says, I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. Right, one of the and things. And well, a few years later, <laughs> Kevin Costner plays Jim Garrison in Oliver Stone's movie JFK, right. where he plays a character that believes Lee Harvey Oswald was part of a conspiracy. Right. So if I ever got the opportunity to like meet Kevin Costner and ask him one question, I would ask him, so Crash Davis believes he acted alone, Jim Garrison believes he was part of a conspiracy, what does Kevin Costner think? That would be a great question. And I wonder how many people have asked him that. Yeah. If any. So uh, let's talk about how the movie kind of winds down, how it wraps up. Mm -hmm. So they release Crash. We're all pissed off at that because, you know, Crash was right. Yeah. He was just there to to uh, mature the kid. He has to know on some level that it's coming. Once yeah. the kid makes it to the show, he's pff, released, tossed aside. But it does sort of have um, kind of a happy ending mm -hmm. in the sense that it looks like he's probably going to go on to manage. Right which he's going to be a great manager because catchers always make great managers, by the way. Some of the best managers have been catchers or okay. catchers. I don't know what it is. Maybe because catchers, they're getting the signals from the, the bench, the whole they game. They see everything. They yeah, see they the really, field. they're they really a, locked in to a perspective to a lot of that no other player on. has. Yeah. And then he goes back to Annie's and it turns out that they really love each other. I just think it's cool how in the end, uh, forget about the baseball aspect of the movie, how Crash and Annie, who are meant to be together right from the very beginning, mm -hmm. to kind of lost, lonely souls who want nothing more than just to feel like they belong and mm -hmm. they want to be loved and they want to be taken care of. And I think it's great that in the end, they find each other. Well said, sir. Tim, I really appreciate you coming in. Thank you again. As always, brother. And thank you for your stories. Cool stuff, man. You're welcome. Your personal connection to the game is very, very cool stuff. And thanks to you for listening. We really appreciate it. Please don't forget to like the Facebook page. Leave your comments or questions. Remember, it's facebook.com slash screenfacts. You can also tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. If you'd like to email, it's screenfacts at yahoo.com. And again, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes to automatically get new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks to our announcer, Kim. You can hear more from her at kimsvoice.com. Thanks to wickedradionetwork.com and show theme music by audionautics.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.